you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Pro Bowl voting is here, and Awesome Pro Bowl starts with awesome players, and your vote helps decide who gets a spot on the AFC and NFC rosters. Show your love, cast your vote, and make sure your favorite players make it to the 2020 Pro Bowl. Vote today and be entered to win exclusive prizes at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. And now, move the sticks. Ten takeaways from Week 11 with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. Oh, here we go. Welcome, everybody. It's the Move the Six podcast here, the 10 Takeaway podcast on a Monday following week 11. Rhett Lewis, Bucky Brooks here with you in studio. And our guy, DJ, is on the road today getting set for a big Monday nighter in the AFC West on the color for the Chargers uh, radio broadcast with his partner, Matt Money Smith. And they're in Mexico City. DJ joining us from international territory. Welcome, my friend. What's going on? I got to tell you, boys, I was just thinking about this. And Buck's done shows from London. Uh, That's right. Now I, I add Mexico to the mix. 
Uh, we've done it from the Senior Bowl in Alabama. We've done it from the Combine in Indianapolis. I know I did it from a hotel in, in Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, really, we're taking this thing worldwide right now. <laughs> Move the sticks worldwide coming yeah. to you. I love it. Uh, look, we've got our 10 takeaways loaded up. I did just see one thing come across the news blast here uh, just as we fired up the intro music, and that was that Matt Nagy says uh, the injury for Mitchell Trubisky is a right hip pointer, which occurred, as we've all kind of pointed out now since going back and look at the tape, on a uh, hit in the second quarter from Rams defensive end Michael Brockers. So I know we're going to get to... uh uh, we're going to get to the Rams uh, takeaway here shortly on their win on Sunday night, but just figured I'd mention that uh, to us as well. I guess uh, Nagy might update a bit more. It's not talked about the availability yet, but that was a weird situation. Yeah, that, that was an ugly game, boys. I, yeah. I was watching it, and uh, I'm watching it here in Mexico City, and it's not an English broadcast, so I don't understand one thing that's being said. But ugly football is an international language. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and and what, you, did you get a chance to watch uh, some some – Mexican red zone. Is that what oh, I yeah. understood? Oh yeah. Hey Buck, Buck, you'll love this. So they show on the Mexican version of the red zone. Obviously it's a big soccer, you know, yeah. culture down here. Mm-hmm. So they show not, not, you know, I know the red zone, they brag, we show every touchdown. Well, they show every extra point. Um, <laughs> yes. And the, the way the guy calls these literally uh, <laughs> me and money were watching it and it's like touchdown. Okay. That's kind of the big deal we're used to. And the extra points is kind of a matter of fact. The right. extra point goes in, and I hear it's Steven Ho 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 Hoshka. <laughs> awesome. I mean, it's like every it. extra point, like Vinatieri making the the, the winning yes. kick in, in the Super Bowl for the Patriots. Oh, um, great the passion! No, I love it. I love it. All right, let's get fired up here with the ten takeaways. And DJ, you're going to lead us off here with the first one. Yeah, look, we're going we can we're going to get into Lamar Jackson and how great he played. Um, but I don't know that we were all that surprised based on how he's played this year. My first takeaway, hello, the Ravens have a pass rush. First and 10 Texans. Ball is at the Ravens. 45-yard line. Watson with time. Now he drifts to his right. He's cornered. Spins out of trouble. Still scrambling and finally sacked back at the 45-yard line. Matt Judon tracked him down. The ball came loose. And the Ravens recover. Jalen Ferguson recovers the ball. And the Ravens offense will take over from there. Look, that was one of my concerns with this football team. You know, offensively, they were going to be exciting with Lamar Jackson. You know, he's obviously taken that next step in his development as a passer and as a legitimate MVP candidate. Um, but when you look at the offseason, even though he was older, you lose Suggs, who had had so many, you know, big plays and, and big time pass rush performances for this team. Zadarius Smith, we've seen what he can do, um, the way he's playing ball. So they had some key losses. And I didn't know if they're going to be able to rush the passer. And quite honestly, early in the season, they weren't rushing very well. And all of a sudden, you, you pick your head up. They make the move to go add the corner there and Marcus Peters, get Jimmy Smith back. It's a great testament, Buck, to when you have the back end solidified how it gives you a little bit more time to get home. And here they are, seven sacks in this game. Uh, Matt Judon, two. Bowser, two. Ten quarterback hits. Uh, that looked like a you know a Super Bowl-caliber defense the way they got after the quarterback. Absolutely, I agree with you. The defense has looked lights out. And actually, I think it kind of coincides with Marcus Peters coming over. I'm not saying that he is the guy that kind of got it going, but adding another piece to the defensive backfield enabled them to play more man-to-man. They've been really aggressive, in-your-face, tight, sticky coverage, giving their pass rush an extra second or two to be able to get home because they're not giving quarterbacks the layups. But then it's not just what they're doing in the back end. Man, Wink Martindale is bringing pressure from 
everywhere. They're coming at you from different angles. They're blowing up your protections. They're getting big hits on the quarterback. And I don't believe it's coincidence that now that you're starting to get the hits on the quarterback, we're beginning to see the turnovers and takeaways come from the Ravens defense. Well, and you know, guys, we talk about uh, roster construction a lot on this podcast. And I, I think the Ravens are always an interesting case study. And, and DJ, certainly since you've spent some time there, you have an idea of how it goes. And I think a lot of times when we talk about pass rush and elite pass rush, we tend to think of the elite or the highly drafted players. Matt Judon, fifth rounder in 2016. Tyus Bowser, second rounder in 17. Jalen Ferguson, third rounder this past year. And they've taken a little bit of time to develop into their own. This is this is clearly going to be, if Judon continues on this pace, his best season. This is really the first we've start to see Tyus Bowser come along and now Jalen Ferguson as a rookie. DJ, give me a sense of what it's like and the value it is to be able to generate a pass rush from guys that you're drafting on day two and three as opposed to like those top 10 Miles Garrett type players, the Bradley Chubb type players. Well, here's the here's the beautiful thing. You, you'll find some organizations um, – where they have, you know, look, look at the Steelers, what the Steelers have done with yeah, wide receivers. Another great one, yeah. Um, and they, they have a comfort level in their evaluation process. They know what it looks like. They know what it feels like. They know what it smells like. And we, we it's a great advantage when you've scouted there because you go out to the practice field every day and you see the traits that matter, the traits that carry over what works in the league because you see it every day at practice. That's why it's hard. Uh, Buck, I'll get your thoughts on this because I know you always reference, I think, a conversation you had with Ozzy at one point yep. in time because we always talked mm-hmm. about production in college, how it translates to the next level. You see it with guys like Max Crosby, a bunch of these players uh, around the league. But when you are on a team that has elite-level players and you get to study them through training camp and you're around them and you watch them, I think it's like, it's like you know, they say with counterfeit money, right? You don't go study all the fake money to know what a, what a fraud looks like, you study the real thing. Once you know right. what the real money looks like, you can spot it's a, a fraud. It's a good point. And that's what helps when you have those players, you know, over decades, they've been able to watch elite defensive players really at all three levels. It's funny that you brought that up, that conversation with Ozzy, because I was writing in my notes um, the names that you referenced, yeah. Matt Judon, uh, Jalen Ferguson. When you go back and you look at what those guys did as collegiate players, they were both dominant pass rushers off the edge. They had proven production. In fact, Ferguson broke Terrell Suggs' uh, career record when it came to the FBS level in terms of career sacks. Judon being a guy that consistently got to the quarterback. and so At Grand Valley State, right? Grand Not Valley at the elite level, but sack production. Sack production over multiple years. That's what Ozzy um, had told me. And so then, to DJ's point, he talks about being able to look at it and see it. Well, yeah, when you are in training camp every day and you see uh, a Suggs dominate year after year after year, uh, you had Elvis Dumerville there for a little bit. You've had other players that have been successful pass rushers there. Well, naturally, you begin to understand what it takes to be successful in that league, and you kind of model your evaluations with those guys in mind. I think the Baltimore Ravens just have uh, a knack. They understand the sweep spot when it comes to evaluating pass rushers, which is why they're able to find guys that can make it happen. All right, Buck, you want to get us to takeaway number two? The Vikings weather the storm. First and 10 from Denver's 32. Cousins under center play action. Bootlegs out to the left. Looking to the left. Firing. Caught. Rudolph. 10. bootleg ball and a total breakdown in coverage by the Denver Broncos. 
You know, this is a, a, a fascinating game to watch. The Denver Broncos played about as, as perfect as you can play uh, a first half. They got everything <laughs> on their terms. Everything was going their way. They were dominating the, the, the game. They were taking the fight to the Minnesota Vikings. You talk about being down 20 to nothing. The thing that I loved about what I saw from the Vikings, they stuck to the script. When we talk about weathering the storm, so many times we've seen teams that are down 20-0 just completely abandon what the original game plan was, uh, come out throwing it all over the yard and they only find themselves getting blown out with the Vikings they stayed true to who they were you notice that Kirk Cousins had 35 pass attempts that's about what they want to kind of limit him mm-hmm. to they don't want the pitch count to get out out of whack and they only ran the ball with Dalvin Cook 11 times but they stayed with the game plan in terms of I saw a lot of play action. I saw a lot of bootleg action. I saw a lot of the things that they normally would do when they were up. They were doing when they were down. Stefan Diggs had a big game, 5-121, yeah. had a touchdown. The big touchdown. That, the big play, yeah. uh, the explosive chunk plays that you're always looking for are play action. They were able to get those. And to their defense's credit, man, they, they bowled up. They did a great job in the second half, giving them multiple opportunities to get back in the game. And when – the offense is playing efficiently, and the defense is playing at a lifestyle level. The Vikings are hard to stop. And, and DJ, you know, when you're watching a game like this that is such a tale of two halves, like you either got to wonder, okay, did we go in at halftime and did we make a certain adjustment? Did we try to, are we going to try to do something completely different here in the second half, or are we just executing better? How did you feel like that, that one fell for the Vikings in the second half? Well, I, I thought they were just crisp. When yeah. you watch this Vikings offense in the second half, I thought they were crisp. I thought Cousins was taking shots when they were there. But Bucky, I think, hit it here, too. You're going to have a big comeback like this. We, we get carried away and go, man, they, they scored 27 points in the second half. Well, that doesn't matter if they don't get stops. And they were able to limit them to three yeah. points. I, I do want one quick takeaway. Uh, we can keep the train moving here. But uh, Cortland Sutton, man, uh, he, he's developing mm-hmm. into a very good receiver. And, um, you know, we kind of talked about this the other day on the pod about receivers outside of round one that are having success and finding success. Mm-hmm. Uh, another great example uh, with how he's come along. And by the way, the Vikings become the first team over the last five seasons to go down 20 or more points at the half and come back and win in wow. the second. Uh, so pretty, uh, pretty, impe- pretty impressive uh, for a team that's very much in the hunt as a contender in the NFC in a very competitive conference. All right, I'll get us to takeaway number three, and that is kind of similar to what Kirk Cousins did in the second half. Dak Prescott proving his worth. Mm. It's third down and seven at the Lions, 17. Snap is back. They blitz, and he flips it out right. Elliott picks it off the ground, 20, 15, 10. Cuts left, dances in. That's a touchdown. And Elliott comes up doing his impression of the Prescott hip swivel warm-up dance. Wow. I mean, it was good. That was good. I really appreciated that, you know, and, and I thought it was, you know, some nice levity uh, for Zeke on a day where, yeah, he got into the end zone twice, but again, was limited in his production on the ground, which brings me back to Dak, right? I think we've had this take, a take similar to this, uh, Bucky, maybe earlier in the season mm-hmm. when they were 3-0 and and Dak was on fire, like, Dak, let's pay Dak, right? Let's get this done. And you understand why. And I think we're back to that here at this point in the season where the Cowboys have a combined 125 yards rushing as a team the last two weeks. 
combined, 125 total. That's what Zeke does on a regular basis by himself in a single game. So they have put the game on Dak's shoulders in the last two weeks. I get they lost last week mm-hmm. to a good opponent in the Minnesota Vikings, but I'm not putting that loss on Dak no. uh, by himself. Now, I am putting this win on Dak. Going over 400 yards uh, right now. He's got over 1,000 yards since week nine. That's the most in a three-game span in Dallas Cowboys franchise history. He's got more 400-yard games than any quarterback in the NFL this year. When they have forced him to throw the ball, he's come up in big spots. Pay man. You know, this this is funny because we're seeing the evolution of the Dallas Cowboys offense. This is a team that was known for being a run-first team to now they're a pass-first team with Dak Prescott playing the leading role. I'm just going to read off some numbers to you. This is Dak Prescott's last 16 games and the production that he has put up over those 16. 69.3% completion rate, 4,968 passing yards, 8.5 yards per attempt, 37 touchdowns, that's 32 passes, 5 rushing, only 12 interceptions, a 104.8 passer rating, and an 11-5 and record. So when it comes down to doing that negotiation, man, I want to be Dak Prescott's agent because that's an easy, <laughs> yeah, easy sale for me to get my 3%. And I, Guys, I'm watching the way he played and I watched this game yesterday and I, I while I'm watching the game, um, Henry, our buddy, uh, who, who helps run NFL International, yeah. we were talking watching the games about you know, the potential expansion to, you know, 17 game schedule, which has been kicked around. And so and I'm reading this article, I think it was by uh, Lock and Fora um, and kind of detailing how this whole revenue pie, how they're going to be able to get an extra wild card. They're going to be able to get an extra game with 17 right. games. And I'm sitting here going, hold up now. I'm watching Dak just just light up the Detroit Lions. And I'm sitting here, if I'm Dak's agent right now, Heck no! Am I signing anything? I'm just going to wait. You're going to be patient. Oh yeah. You want to right. you want you want to grow this pie? I'll go ahead and wait on that because I'm gonna get a nice chunk of that pie. Oh, I yeah, think in true. this case, the Cowboys made a mistake. What would have looked like overpaying a month ago is going to be a bargain by the time this deal gets done. <laughs> you might be right. Well, we'll go all the way back to last year when people were balking at $23 million per year <laughs> yeah. when they wanted it. Like, the number's 40 now. And that, like, you know? I mean, like literally, like people yeah. were laughing when they threw that number out about it being $40 million. But I think if you continue to look, look at, at the way. Deal, Buck. Yeah, yeah you, you look at the way that he has been playing. I mean, look, make no mistake about it. This team is being run through uh, Dak Prescott. He's doing a great job of getting the ball out. Uh, with the playmakers, and as they continue to win with him kind of being the focal point, I just believe the price just continues to go up, and so all the leverage is in his favor. And last thing I'll say, and and DJ, you can get us to the fourth takeaway here right after that, is um, it wasn't Amari Cooper in this Mm. game. Dak raising the level of everyone around, and Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, both over a hundred yards, so I think that's an important piece of it. That is a very important yeah. piece because a lot of it, had, a lot of the conversation had been, "Hey, Amari Cooper." He's only doing it now that Amari's here, right? Like Elliot, yeah. the offensive line, yeah. all those guys are elevated. No, it's that. This is was his opportunity to show people that look, I'm the one that can elevate others. So, uh, good game for him. Yeah, no, he was impressive. All right, I'll keep it rolling. We'll stay at the quarterback position here, and and let's go to the Jets. I know the schedule has not been difficult. Uh, but I, my takeaway from this one, Sam Darnold, I think, is very mentally tough. Darnold back to throw, looks left, has time, fires one down the left sideline for Crowder. He's got it. Front left pylon, and he's in. That's a jet touchdown. Sam Darnold with his fourth touchdown pass of the game. That's a career high, and the Jets extend their lead. 
Oh, look, this is what the Jets need to do. You play bad football teams. The Jets are a bad football team. They're not a bad, bad football team. Uh, they're, they're playing like some doubly bad teams here in this stretch of about five games. And, and we talked about it at that point in time. Let's wait and evaluate where he is in his growth once we get through this layup schedule here and see if he can take advantage of that. And thus far, he has. I, I think it's interesting when you go back and look at it, seven picks – in the New England-Jacksonville back-to-back games, right? It was the big storyline, seven picks in less than seven days or whatever it was, Um, maybe four days, five days. If you look at the other five games he's played this year, he's thrown three picks total in those five games. So really, Sam Darnold's laid two eggs, two bad eggs, don't get me wrong, terrible performances. But I think when we get some context here and you look at the way he came out of that, uh, to me, that shows a little bit uh, mm-hmm. of what he's about. Some mental toughness, did not go in the toilet, was able to rebound. Um, and I had heard the story, I guess it just got reported, but I'd heard about it at the time that he went into Adam Gase's office and said, look, I know everything that you want to do, but this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I want to do. And I think that that was a good process for him to, to be able to get together with your play color and say, I don't like that. I don't want to run that. I'm not, I haven't been good at that. Mm. Let's run this. And I think that's had an impact couple other numbers, I was just looking this up. You know, the Jets this year have not had a running back gain over 70 yards in any ballgame. Uh, yeah, Lev, Lev Bell had 70 yards once against New England. The offensive line, they've allowed 41 sacks, third most in the league, one behind the leaders. Um, so this team, they don't have a lot of pieces. But I think, Buck, when you look at this individual player, mm-hmm. be patient, everybody, because this guy's very talented and you're starting to see glimpses of it. Two things that stood out, you uh, kind of letting everyone know that Sam Donald had a conversation with Adam Gase, yeah. uh, talked about, here's what I like, here's what I don't like. Uh, we would be at our best if you allow me to kind of do the things that I do really well. I think that's coaching one-on-one. I think most coaches should talk to the quarterback and try and view the game from their vantage point as opposed to the play caller's vantage point. So that kudos to Sam Donald for stepping up and being able to do that. Secondly, you talk about the mental toughness. Um, we will eventually talk about Chicago and Mitchell Trubisky, but – we're at a time now where the outside noises are louder than they've ever been. Each and every week, every day, hour by hour, players hear the constant chatter about how you should be playing, whether you're disappointing, whether you're ahead of schedule. All of this conversation that kind of, I would say, permeates their brain, gets into their thinking, their thought process. For Sam Darnold to be able to block all of that out and to just focus on what is in front of him speaks volumes to what he will be as a franchise quarterback down the line. His ability to just ignore the white noise, the skepticism, and all of the criticism, that might be his best trait, and it might be the reason why he's able to pull himself out of a tough moment and really thrive when he gets a shot. Guys, on the other side of this thing, there's a rookie quarterback who – in a way, has been where Sam Darnold has been as well, you know, starting as a young player on a bad team, and that's Dwayne Haskins. And you've now seen the viral interaction he had with his offensive lineman where he's kind of pleading to the O-line, what can I do to help you? And it's Mm -hmm. kind of met with, well, just very little reaction at all from the offensive lineman. I think Morgan Moses seemed to be really the only guy out there who was really acknowledging it, um, although you can't really see what Scherf and Ruye are, uh, are, are saying back there as well. But it just – what's the – is there – is it always value gain for a young quarterback getting starts as a rookie on a bad team? Or is there a way where, you know, 
it goes the other way where it's, you know, now like you don't want this type of experience for a young quarterback. Is there a distinction we can make on that? I don't know, man. I, you know, what's fascinating to me, Rhett, is when you look at normally you have a young quarterback, right? Yeah. And, and you change coaching staffs. The fear is, okay, this new staff comes in. They didn't pick me. I wasn't their guy. So it's, it doesn't make for an easy transition. This is going to be one of the more interesting ones because it's been out there. Look, I don't think this was the coaching staff's guy. So I don't mm. think, you know, for whatever we've heard about, you know, you know what he hasn't done in the process. And he, he can own some of the blame here for why this hasn't gone well. Uh, but he was not their guy. So I'm fascinated to see what happens when the new staff comes in. Do they buy in? Do they believe? And if that's the case, I think he's still got a shot because I think there is a lot. Of, I think Dwayne Haskins has a lot of ability. No doubt. But there's got to be a connection. There's got to be buy-in. Or you bring somebody in that doesn't believe in him, then the blueprint is out there. We saw it with the Arizona Cardinals. They did it. It got a, it got a lot of chatter. Again. But that yep. was the but that was the right move to take Kyler Murray. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with this team in the offseason. Yeah, it is going to be fascinating. I will say to Dwayne Haskins' credit, he is attempting to kind of mature and grow into that role. The problem that you have in Washington, you have a lot of old players who've never won anything. And so um, they don't know what a, a winning culture should be yeah. like and how it should be about uplifting and elevating a young quarterback and doing those things. And so I think what he's in is in a bit of a quagmire because they haven't gone anywhere in years. And I don't know if this crew that is currently in place can get them over the hump. So he is trying to learn how to play the quarterback position, trying to learn how to be a franchise quarterback. But he's going to need some assistance from some real grown-ups to help him kind of make it happen. You guys, do you guys, real quick, both you guys, real quick, tear down? I mean, is this a total tear down after the season? Feels like it. I think so. I don't, I don't know what their salvageable pieces are. I mean, I like some of the things that they have on defense. Kerrigan. Kerrigan. And uh, some, some, of the Alabama, yeah, some of the Alabama, the Alabama uh, defensive D-line guys. Yeah, Terry Payne. McLaurin obviously has been good. But I think this team's need, I think, one, whoever takes over, I think you got to blow everybody out the building. Like everyone on the coaching side, the, the football operation side, you have to blow everybody out because I think you need to start – you need to stockpile it with some fresh energy, some fresh blood or whatever. I'm just worried about these old guys that have been there for a long time. It's kind of like the same old Redskins year after year after year, regardless of who's in charge. There's pieces, right? There's pieces that you can you sure. can you can use on the way to a rebuild and a retool, which gotta fix the yeah, running game, gotta make yeah. sure the O line is straight. Um all right, Buck, let's get it uh let's take us to the AFC West, brother. John Gruden has Derek Carr balling. Carr is gonna throw it. Drops it wide open. Touchdown. Touchdown. Foster Moreau's fourth touchdown catch of the season. A very well-schemed play. He broke open. The Bengals had no idea how to cover him. You know, I, I wrote about Derek Carr this week in my notebook, and the more I look at Derek Carr on tape this year, the more it reminds me of one of my former teammates, Rich Gannon, and the way that he performed under John Gruden. I am seeing an efficient, effective quarterback that is getting the ball out faster than anyone else in the league. He's doing a great job of utilizing all of the weapons at his disposal. And when it comes to reading routes and understanding progression, he is getting to the check down. And a lot of times you don't see people go through all of the progressions to get to the check down, but he's doing it and he's doing it quickly. That is why they're beginning to stress the defense, not only vertically and horizontally, but they're being able to do it because they're bringing those guys to the line of scrimmage because the only way you can stop the check down is to rally and close. He yeah. has been 
terrific for the Oakland Raiders. I really like what they're doing on offense because it's an old-school offense with some new-school principles. And uh, obviously Josh Jacobs a big part of that uh, as well. And look, I think, uh, you know, there was a thought that uh, when when Mike Mayock made the the call about the found the foundational pieces, you know, it yep. was met with some skepticism, right? Especially with Furl at number four, and you go down the line. We, I mean, we haven't hardly seen Jonathan Abram, you know, this year. I mean, nope. after he, he's been on IR, so when that comes back, you add that to what we've seen now with Furl had two and a half sacks last week. Crosby has four this week. Trayvon Mullen comes up with the interception this week, starting to play a little bit better there. I mean, this is this is a really impressive haul, and oh. By the way, their pick from the Bears might end up being really good this coming year. Uh, I mean, I mean, DJ, it's starting to look pretty good there for these young players, that young core. Well, this is the fun part because um, they, they've baked the cake. The cake has been baked. Now the fun part, you get to, I mean, the frosting's the good stuff. Now you get to go have fun in the draft. You want to go get some speed, some receivers. You want to get some playmakers. Um, now you've got the, you've got the, they've built it the right way. Put it that way. Yep. They've built the foundation. And I'm telling you, when you have, and, and it looks right now, the way Carr's playing, if you have what you think can be your quarterback going forward, uh, Derek Carr's only 28 years old. So if you think you have that guy for the next six, seven years, man, you know how much fun it is when you've got high picks courtesy of trades and you can go out and, and shop. This is the fun stuff, man. Like everybody else that's picking up that high, because that Bears pick is going to be a top 10 pick as it looks right now. They need quarterbacks. They need pass rushers. Uh, they need offensive linemen. The, the 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 Raiders have built that right now. So now you're going to get a chance. They're going to have a chance. They might get the best receiver in the draft if they want him at that point wow. in time. I mean, they have a lot of different options is what I'm getting at. They could trade back and still get a great, great receivers and pick up more picks. Um, the world's your oyster. They, they've built it the right way. Hey, DJ, to this point, I don't know if you got a chance to see the tweet. Um, I retweeted the Around the League tweet about Mike Mayock um, and all the rookie success that they're having. Right now. Yep. And we've talked about building it the right way. What we talked about shortly after draft day was we talked about culture changers, how all of those young guys that they drafted not only had great football character, but they came from winning programs. And, you know, when you're trying to do a rebuild and you're trying to reverse the fortunes of a franchise, you need guys who understand what it takes. I think Mayock and the Raiders have assembled enough, brought in enough guys that are used to winning. And I think that just kind of makes it contagious in the locker room. Those guys are willing to buy in. They're selfless. That's all they know. And I think that is why the Raiders have had so much success with these first-year guys kind of driving the bus. So Max Crosby has four sacks in this game, as I mentioned. Um, What did you find from the uh, box score uh, on the Chicago Bears defensive side? DJ, did you you see Khalil Mack's name anywhere? Did you see his name anywhere? Yeah, pitching a shutout is good in October when you wear a baseball hat. It's right. not good in November when you wear a helmet. And he a, a donut. And I believe, I believe he has one sack in his last five games. Mm. Um, and I know, yeah, I know there's more to that. And obviously, you want pressures, and I, and I get all that stuff. But what I'm getting at is this trade is looking better and better for the Oakland Raiders as we as we go down the line here. I would agree, and I will get us uh, to our next takeaway here, which is again a, a little bit similar to how the Raiders kind of made up their draft class, but mm-hmm. the Colts just know how to win. And we'll give it to Williams here up the middle. He's got a first down. Breaks at fifty. There he goes. He's at the 30 down the near sideline, 20. He's at the 15, touchback, and he gets himself up at the 10-yard line. Longest run for Jonathan Williams. First down, down to the 10 for Jacksonville. It'll be first and goal for the Colts. 
Here we sit on a Monday following a week 11 Sunday, four days away from kicking off Thursday night football in week 12, and the Indianapolis Colts are in first place in the AFC South. And yep. it will be a battle for first place again on Thursday night against the Texans because if the Colts go into Houston and actually lose, the Texans will go right back to the top. But mm-hmm. that's this is the position that they're in with Jacoby Brissett coming off a, game, a week where he missed a game because of a knee injury. He comes back banged up, big old knee brace on, cuts on a dime. I mean, leaving Calais Campbell in his wake uh, to get loose and throw a touchdown pass to Marcus Johnson. To mm. Chester Rogers, to Zach Pascal, without yeah. T.Y. Hilton, their best skill player. Oh, by the way, Marlon Mack runs for 100 yards and breaks his hand and misses most of the second half. Then they just throw in Jonathan Williams, who comes in, and he runs for 100 as well. Uh, these are the kind of things you can do when you invest up front in offensive line, which the Colts certainly have. Um, they went into Arrowhead, if we back it up about five weeks, and beat you know, at the time, a team were considering the best offense in football without their best defensive player in Darius Leonard. They have missed key players time and time again throughout this season, and they continue to be a playoff contender in the AFC. They are a confident team. They are a well-coached team, and that will always make them a dangerous team. Also, what happened to the Jaguars' defense? Anyway, that's another story, but continue, continue on the Colts. No, I, th- I think that what is fascinating, we're seeing at a time when everyone is skewing towards the pass, these teams that are beginning to run the football are having a lot of success. San Francisco 49ers, the Minnesota Vikings. But you look at the Indianapolis Colts, and I know we're so used to seeing the horseshoe and thinking about a finesse team, a team that throws it around the yard. But I believe they're really taking um, that adage that's on those hats in the locker room, run the darn ball. They are running the ball. They're committed to running it. And because it's, it's giving them a toughness and an identity, and they're able to win with those running backs getting it done and Jacoby Brissett making good plays and taking care of the football. Well, flip it over real quick. Yeah. You mentioned the Jags. I did. The Jags, Jags, the Jags threw the ball 47 times in this game. That's the they problem. They ran it nine times. That's the they problem. They ran it nine times. And this is what's baffling to me is that they proved when they had that great year, right, and they go to the AFC championship yep. game, what they're we talk about all, what's the formula? What is your formula? Run the football, play physical, play great defense, protect the football, and, and take your shots. Take your shots when they're available in the passing game. Throw about forty-seven times. Like, I know you want to get it. You're excited to see Nick Foles back there. <laughs> Too uh, much. And he made some plays to, to 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 DJ Chark, who's another one of those receivers outside the first round that we talked about the other day. But that ain't it, man. That's not your formula. That man. is not who you are. And when you get outside who you are. You get beat down like this. Flip, man. John D. Filippo, once again, like, this yeah. is what happens. Like, I understand he gets his toy back. He gets the shiny new toy is back. Nick Foles returns, $20 million quarterback, and you can't wait to throw it all over the yard. But this team was winning on a Garner Minshew in a different way, and they settled into that identity. So now they're having to rework and relearn how they win games with the talent that they currently have, and particularly a quarterback. I just think it's tough, and I think they have to be – a team that plays a certain way. Jacksonville, you always have to run it. You got to be tough on defense and you have to be able to make these explosive plays. Right now, I worry that they're going to skew too much to the pass and they're not going to be the team that they could have been. Yep. You guys, uh, well, I'll keep it moving here. Yeah. The uh, How many times have you had the experience in the movie theater where you're watching a movie and you think a, a movie and a plot is going in one direction and all of a sudden it's like, well, you're my, like the usual suspects. Yep. Mind blown. Like did not see that coming. That is the description <laughs> of the Atlanta Falcons season. <laughs> Here's Ryan. Play fake. Looks. 
Back to the left, steps up, throws, back line, caught! Going across to the pylon, Calvin Ridley for the touchdown. What a play by Ryan to move up into the pocket and throw to the crossing Ridley for the touchdown. All right, there was a little highlight there from the offense. And the offense really has been explosive throughout the season. That, that has not been the issue. The issue on the other side of the ball has been the defense. A defense that we've highlighted in specific weeks. I remember the Houston game, uh, mm-hmm. for example, rushing three, dropping eight, and guys wide open all over the field, big play after big play. Um, can't rush the quarterback. No pressure. Weeks on on end. Just just they hit the quarterback one time in one game. I mean, it, no no pass rush, no plays on the ball, miscommunication in the back end. Mm-hmm. A complete and total mess. Now we come to the last two weeks against the Saints. They had six sacks. They 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 allowed nine points. Three of twelve on third down. All of a sudden, this third down defense comes alive. Then this week, four interceptions. Two of fourteen on third down. They only allow three points. These are not bad offenses that they're going up against. Um, and I think, you, Buck, you can speak on this. I know I've, I've heard you talk about it before. Uh, but Raheem Morris making that switch from the from the offensive side of the ball where he was doing some work there to going back to the defense. I don't know how you don't give him credit for this, the way they're playing. Yeah, I did give credit to Raheem Morris, but also Jeff Ulbrich, who is also helping out with the play calling. I think Steve Weiss First talked about this. second down, right? Yeah, yeah, Steve Weiss talked about this last week. Um, I think on Aftermath. He, That's right. He I, I teased it, it for you. I was paying, I was yeah. paying attention. I had to wait. I had to go to the source. <laughs> I had to wait a couple hours. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get it. So, but look, I think the way they're doing this is great. Look, Albert's coaches the linebackers. He's handling first and second down, which is normally your prominent rundowns. Raheem is doing third down, their two-minute package. Um, and what they've done, and I give Dan Quinn credit. Dan Quinn had to admit that it was too much for him. It was too much for him to manage the entire team and run the defense. So what he did, he handed it off to two experienced players because Jeff Albrecht was the UCLA defensive coordinator prior to getting to Atlanta. Raheem Morris has done it before successfully at Tampa, even in college at Kansas State. And these guys have been able to get it going. So now what has happened, they've got a little confidence. You want it. If they make another run down the stretch, and maybe they reel off four games, four or five more wins, what does Arthur Blank do then? Because Dan Quinn has taken this team to a Super Bowl. Yeah. If he has this recipe together where now he's handed over the defense to these guys and they got it going, do we see him continue to have an opportunity in Atlanta? That's the question that I want to figure out. You know, I think I think that's a legit question to ask. And I think, uh, you know, I and look, I've been a part of that crew that was wondering whether – Dan Quinn was going to keep his job in the midst of this season. Yeah. And I think a lot of credit goes to the job he did, but also to the patience of Arthur Blank in deciding what was best for his football team and his franchise. And uh, at this point, it was the right move to keep Dan Quinn going. He's got two straight wins now. And, um, you know, maybe you can rekindle a little bit of that magic here. And, and that'll this will also be an interesting storyline, you know, as we continue on this season, you know. and a, uh, a, word, a word we don't hear often in sports. Patience, yeah. We do not hear it anymore. Anymore. And maybe this will be maybe this will be the right move. Everybody thought the bye week that that was a wrap, um, and Arthur Blank made the decision to be patient. Now, a lot of season left. They're three and seven football team. Um, I, I would think you probably got to be you know get to eight and eight maybe. Yeah, that's a heck of a run you got to go on. To sure. Get to eight and eight. But uh, but hey, they're still alive right now. We got Buck. Jimmy G comes through in the clutch, but he's still the 49ers' weakest link. Garoppolo in the shotgun. Jeff Zero. Wilson Jr.'s in. He runs inside. He's got a ten. the big play. 
touchdown machine. Jeff Wilson goes up over his head, collects the rock, and rolls into the end zone. Man, a lot of excitement there. Woo! They ready? You that excited in play by play? Oh, <laughs> a lot of excitement there. Um, look, this game to me was everything that you want to know about the Jimmy G experience: the highs, the lows, the roller coaster ride that is number ten. Terrific player, a guy with a, a like tremendous arm talent, but once or twice a game he is going to throw the ball to the other team. And you just wonder, when they get into the playoffs and they have to contend in the NFC against the quarterbacks that he potentially could be facing, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, even a Kirk Cousins, if it comes down to quarterback play, are you confident in Jimmy G that he can win a shootout if the ball is in his hands at the end of the game? We just saw it. <laughs> like, he just said, no, I get you. I get, I understand your point. Um, and I think uh, God, I had the takeaway three or four weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago, saying that Sean Payton should be the coach of the year for the job that he did navigating his team with mm-hmm. Drew Brees out, Teddy Bridgewater in, tailoring the game plan. Look, Kyle Shanahan deserves a look here, guys. Uh, I mean, he's leading a team that's got the best record in football. Um, you know, he's missed his both offensive tackles for a large stretch of this season, both of their probably the two best offensive linemen. Um, then you've got uh, Quan Alexander goes down. We haven't even seen Jarek McKinnon as a, as a San Francisco 49er. They have figured out ways to put guys in positions where they are suited to their strengths and making plays. Um, we, we see it with Tevin Coleman. We've seen it with Mostert, with Brita. I mean, Look, the run game is one thing. We know that for sure. But again, this just comes down to Kyle Shanahan having a grip on this team. Kittle's been out for two games. Um, I, I just I like the way that he has uh, the pulse of this team and is always putting them in in a position to succeed. Can I give you guys one? We, yes. We've done the boxing thing on here the last couple of weeks. I'm in kind of a boxing thing. And, okay. and styles make fights, right? Mm-hmm. So and I'm, I've been the biggest 49er, you know, pumper there is. I'm all all in on this team. The last two weeks, one thing that I've seen that concerns me um, is you're seeing running quarterbacks, athletic quarterbacks, because they use the wide nine, because Mm -hmm. they get up the field and attack, they leave themselves vulnerable to quarterbacks that want to take off and go. And now they saw two of the best with with Russell Wilson and his ability to make some huge plays in that game last week, uh, taking off and running. And uh, and Kyler Murray had some success this week as well. So when we look forward – and look in the postseason. Now, you're not going to have to worry about that with Drew Brees. That's not the way he plays. You know, Rodgers will extend plays, but he's not He's not that type of a threat. Um, so, uh, Kirk Cousins, not so much. You look at a team like the Dallas Cowboys, and we've already seen with the Seattle Seahawks. Man, I, I'm just telling you that that will be a big part of the game plan for those teams should they meet. You know, we're going to see it again in the division with the Seahawks. But should these teams, the Cowboys, the Seahawks, see the 49ers, You'll look for quarterbacks to be able to take some of those seams and go. Yeah. And God forbid you run into Lamar Jackson on the big stage because right. that would be fascinating to see that. They'd have to change it up a little on bit. They scheme. can't get up yeah. the field like that. There's no way. No, that it is a problem. I, I will say this, though, to Jimmy G's credit, to Kyle Shanahan's credit, I wonder how would they play when someone finally stopped the run? The running game was a non-factor, and they were able to put it in Jimmy G's hands, and yeah. he was able to make enough plays, over 400 yards, four touchdowns, headed two interceptions. But this is the way that defensive coordinators will challenge 
the 49ers going forward. And I think we have to say this, and I'm not saying that the 49ers are overrated, but in the note it says nine of their wins are against teams with a combined record of 27, 53, and 1. That's a point. 340 winning percentage. So you just wonder when the competition gets thick, is this team ready to handle the step up in competition? Look, we saw them go blow for blow with the Seattle Seahawks last week. So I think that they can be in these games. Now it's a whole different story to win those games. I certainly get that as well. And they were in a position to do it, um, but couldn't capitalize. So look, yeah, there's a difference between being close and winning. I certainly know that being an Indiana football uh, fan. And uh, (laughs) so uh, look, but, but I think that the 49ers will have a say in the NFC when it's all said and done. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's a great point there, Rhett, about Indiana. Anyways, yeah. um, oh, let's uh, let's keep it rolling here. Uh, th- this is a little alliteration. Sloppy Super Bowl sequel. One oh five to go in the fourth quarter in Philadelphia. Sanders to the left of Wentz. Patriots blitz. are going to send the blitz. Matthews off. Wentz off the back foot. Throws to the end zone for Aguilar. He's open no, in the back of the end zone. He can't it. hold on. Ball knocked incomplete. J.C. Jackson recovering and Wentz backing up. Throwing deep to the end zone. And the pass, Karam's incomplete. Yeah, there you go. It was a uh, That would have been a tough catch for Nelson Aguilar. But other drops in this game, just sloppy play all the way around. Neither team had 300 yards offense. Uh, third downs were awful. Um, you look at Philly, they were 3 of 13. New England was 5 of 16. I mean, really, if you take out the double pass touchdown from New England, this is a 10-10 game. I mean, there was no offense, no rhythm. Um, it was tough on the eyes. Really tough on the eyes. And I'm going to say this. I know it's not a popular opinion, but, man, I wonder if the Patriots can win in spite of Tom Brady. Oh. Like we're, we're so used to seeing Tom Brady being the, the, the focal point, the driving force of their offense, making it happen. But, frankly, man, he hasn't been great this year. Uh, we're talking about a guy that is on pace for his lowest passer rating since 2013. Yep. Um, and, look, 14 first half incompletions. Most that he's had in any game. I mean, like this. First half of a game, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, this This is not the Tom Brady that we're growing accustomed to. And I know he's he's older, and at some point, everyone falls off the cliff. I just wonder if we're at the cliff right now. I, As, wonder, I wonder if we're ready to jump over. How many times have you asked that question? I mean, though? I just wonder. Like, I feel I, like I at some point in each season, in each of the last seven years, we've wondered that. And but he's consistently you, I, proven I, I strong. I will say this, though. Yeah. I'll say this. I haven't seen him miss this many bunnies. Yeah. Like, he has missed a lot of layups. He's dirt in the whiskey last year. Yeah. No, he's, you're right. He's dirt. He's dirt in the whiskey. He can't hit the layup. He can't hit the layup. Uh, by the way, was it uh, was it any coincidence that that Belichick comes out in the post game presser and says, uh, "Yeah, look, look, it's hard to get a win. We got to win." I felt like the guys were having fun out there, had a lot of good energy. <laughs> no, yeah. no coincidence there, right? Yeah, that, no, none whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but one thing, by the way, I, we there's some themes we've hit over and over again, and I feel like last year with the Ravens, with uh, with the construction of their roster, we talked about. Man, build a track team around Lamar Jackson. You, you you build a track team so that you can pay off all this running with big plays down the field. They've done that. We have mm-hmm. the tight ends. Marquise Hollywood Brown's been a great piece for them. Has given them some of that big playability. With the Philadelphia Eagles, man, they are slow. That is yeah. a slow, slow, slow football team. On offense, I've been in draft rooms. I've, I've yeah. been in draft rooms. One year, uh, one year in in in, uh, in Baltimore. 
we made the decision this is going to be a toughness draft. We felt like we had lost a little bit of our edge. I think it was the year we got like Ben Grubbs, Marshall Yonda. We got tougher. We just yeah. like this whole draft is about toughness. The Philadelphia Eagles, man, it is a speed draft. Really, both sides of the ball. They need speed. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is that. just a slow, slow team. And New England, New England ain't, and the, don't get me wrong, New England on offense, that ain't a track team either now. Oof. No, and I'll say this uh, to, to your point on Brady, um, Bucky. I, this was the most disturbed that I've seen Brady following a win. I feel like in a long time. I mean, he had a very short news conference after the game, um, you know, was visibly frustrated. I mean, then this morning comes out and says, look, I I am not, you know, I'm not oblivious to the fact that the best pieces of our team right now are defense and special teams and offense is a distant third right now. And that's, that's where the Patriots are. Uh, Look, it may not be where they are, are come week 17 or the divisional round of the playoffs because they can change quite a bit but that's where they're at right now yeah you know what you know what real quick though before we move on last thing but this is the this is the this is the brilliant place that the patriots have found themselves forever because they win these games their division stinks Mm -hmm. and they end up winning these games they end up in a situation where they get a bye you win two home games and you're in the super bowl yep they mastered it they They mastered that formula they don't have to be easy on the eyes no, you got to find and, a way to get done for three weeks. That's it, three weeks. And it's funny. I've heard uh, – it's funny because this would be a, a far-out tease, but Lou Holtz, um, I've heard him say this. You don't have to be the best team in the country. You only have to be the best team in the stadium. And so for yeah. the Patriots, the Patriots have found a way to just be the best team in the stadium each and every week. And so when we get down to it, they're going to be in a position where they can be a Super Bowl team because they just find a way to win each week. That's yep. all that matters. All right, Bucky, take us home. The Rams get back to basics. Ty Gurley is the focal point. Goff comes under center on first and goal from the walk. Cup is in motion from the near side behind the line of scrimmage. The handoff to Gurley. Gurley goes up the middle, lowers his shoulder, sprawls to the goal line. Touchdown Rams on top nine to nothing. Hey, look, we we wondered what was wrong with the L.A. Rams for so long. And I've been a big believer that Ty Gurley was – not as kind of damaged as people had talked about. He was the guy that kind of made this offense go, and they needed to give him the ball. Well, lo and behold, Sunday night against the Chicago Bears, they finally give him the touches that he needed, and he responded. 28 touches, his most since week eight of last season against the Green Bay Packers, had 133 scrimmage yards, yeah. most since he had week 13, 2018. He has to be the guy that they run the offense through. I know they gave Jerry Goff the big contract, but it has to be about Todd Gurley setting the table for everybody else. He is their best offensive player. They need to ride him to the wheels fall off. If he's hurt, if he's hurt or injured, so be it. But you have to put the ball in his hands because he makes the difference to this offense. Uh, and look, they, they clearly knew what they were up against this week and what they were dealing with internally. Austin Corbett makes his fourth uh, or second start as a pro gets in at left guard. They move Blythe over to center. Edwards gets in limited starting experience. Bobby Evans, first career start rookie of Oklahoma at right tackle. And they made a commitment to running the football. This was Tom, This was Todd Gurley's most productive game, not even just from a rushing standpoint, like overall scrimmage yards, most productive game by far this season. And uh, you know what I thought was kind of interesting. I watched the Rams uh, post game game 
celebration speech in the locker room and McVay didn't hand out any game balls. Uh, you know, this is it's kind of a sloppy one. Didn't hand out any game balls, called out a couple of guys for, you know, doing some really good defense, keeping them in the ball game, and then let Bobby Evans break them down uh, after McVay was done talking. And then after that, uh, John Fossil comes over and is like, oh, not done yet, not done yet, not done yet. Comes in and goes, hey, you know, I think game ball in this game goes to coach to our coach Sean McVay for keeping us focused and keeping us level through the ups and downs of a season uh, and always putting us doing what's right behind the scenes to put us in the best position to win football games and he gave the ball the game ball to Sean McVay and I thought that was interesting because I was on a radio recently and somebody had asked me hey you know the Bears not who we thought they were from a year ago the Rams not who we thought they were from the last two years which team do you trust most uh, to turn things around I was like God it just I feel like I trust Sean McVay more to figure it out um, and I think we give a lot of credit to McVay for what he does offensively, but maybe not as much credit for the way he handles his football team from a head coach standpoint. I think, I think Bucky Brett brings up a great point there. And, and that's the fact that he's, uh, he's wanted for radio interviews. I mean, I think that's, that's like, what that's I took my out second of. great point there. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's all no, I got. Look, I, look, you're right. You're right. Sean McVay, Sean yeah. McVay is so he's so bright and i thought it, things got a little bit stale and i think they lost their yeah. compass a little bit and and buck hit on that you know um i don't know what the deal is with todd Gurley's health but this thing this train moves best when it goes through him and when you get him rolling all shut all of a sudden now you get some shots you know off of that so um that to me is is what they needed to get back to and and wisely that's what they did but let's be honest it didn't take a whole lot of offense to win this ball nope, game I mean, definitely, that was, not. That was ugly. definitely not definitely no, not the whole Trubisky thing is now you know kind of blowing up with the the hip injury didn't we didn't really know that until after he comes out of the game and Daniel goes in so uh, you know Buck you want to sort that out for us <laughs> no I, I mean I, I have no idea but I think when you when you look back on it I think with the Bears. Here's the deal. We you talk about in the locker room, yeah. Fossil crediting Sean McVay for yeah. kind of keeping them level headed. I think what has happened to the Bears, the outside noise is beginning to creep in and is in the locker room. And I think just by looking at the sideline display of emotion when Mitchell Trubisky is peered at, he got very emotional when Matt Nagy came to him. The pressure that he is dealing with of hearing the constant chatter of the Chicago Bears took Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. I believe it is affecting him. I also believe it is affecting Matt Nagy. And I think at some point, look, man, your quarterback is your quarterback. Matt Nagy has to figure out a way to elevate Mitchell Trubisky doing whatever it is that he does well and then figured out the rest of the stuff at the end of the season. But he has to help his young quarterback get back on track. I don't know if you guys want to see uh, Mexico City here. Want to see a little Mexico City? You guys well, get a little view there? Beautiful. Yeah, a little Mexico City there. You handling uh, the elevation okay? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you, boys. I got a uh, I got a good workout in, but it was all uh, it was all in kilometers. So, ah, so you don't know? I don't know how fast I was going. It felt like I was really going fast, but you I don't were. Know so it probably wasn't. Uh, but the uh, well, yeah, cool city, man. Uh, money's eating his way through town. Uh, <laughs> that I would have. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes. Hey, but, do you, uh, before before we leave, you want to give us a little something we should uh, watch out for tonight between the Chiefs and the Chargers? Yeah, to me, look, the Chiefs get healthy on the offensive line. Uh, they have all five starters back this week, That's which big. will be a good thing for them. The uh, the Chargers, on the other hand, 
know, they have two pillars of this offensive line. Pouncey's out for the year. Uh, Russell Kuhn does not look like he will play in this game. So the Chargers have got to use these tight ends with, with Hunter Henry and Virgil Green to help help protect Phillip Rivers. But, man, protection with that offensive line, the, the, the edges were not firm last week against the Oakland Raiders. They have to get that cleaned up uh, if they're going to have a shot against the Chiefs. And uh, look, both these teams, they try to stay in the hunt here. I mean, the Raiders are rolling and, you know, we, we talk about the Raiders, the playoff contender, they're a contender for this division. So this is really getting interesting at the top. And it's a big game uh, for the Kansas City. You guys Chiefs. like my workout? This is my this your gear? workout. I mean, I, here. I like yeah. it. Head backwards, all of it. Well, DJ's never well, worn anything that wasn't free. So we know that. Oh, it's, it's just, uh, <laughs> not, the only thing, I mean, I don't even know I paid for my underwear. I don't think I have anything too much That's info. It. Thanks, bud. You can wrap us up. Yeah, bro. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome. Uh, look, another uh, episode of the uh, 10 Takeaway Podcast here on Move the Sticks in the books. You can download uh, the Move the Sticks podcast. Apple Podcasts are on your favorite podcast app. You check it all out. Our videos, nfl.com slash MTS video or at the new channel over on YouTube. Leave a comment, write a review. And Daniel Jeremiah is saying hello to Ryan Yunt. Isn't that nice? <laughs> there you go. That's for you, Ryan Yunt, on your way home uh, when you're listening to this after the aftermath, which starts today at 3 o'clock eastern time dj will miss you but aldi filling in for you one of the founding fathers so uh we'll see you next week thanks for downloading move the sticks with daniel jeremiah bucky brooks and rhett lewis for more go to nfl.com slash podcast You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.